it's April, and Tony and I are here again this week to say hello and talk to Veronica a little bit and a little pet update. And today I have a story for all of you. Um, As you know, I um, also raise sometimes um, sulcata tortoises. I'll, I'll take the eggs and see if I can get one to hatch when they have it. And this year I was really lucky. I put about 50 eggs in the incubator, and I got two out of the 50, which in Southern California, if they lay their eggs in the ground and they stay there, the ground isn't warm enough to have the eggs hatch properly. So if you want to hatch, you have to watch the mother lay her eggs, and then she just walks away. That's the only thing she does is lay the eggs. She doesn't nurture. She doesn't nurse. She doesn't do anything. And... Uh, you have to go out and dig them up and put them in an incubator. And that's how I had 50 eggs and I put them in the incubator. Well, the time, it takes about three months, three and a half months for something to grow or hatch. And I got the two, so I figured I was lucky. I would say two days ago, it's been getting a little cold here in Los Angeles, and so I'm checking on the big tortoises a lot more than I normally would because I've got them in a little heated thing, but I want to make sure they're in there. I want to make sure they're eating. And I go out to it, and I step inside the enclosure, and I'm, you know, putting food back on the trays because they knock stuff all over the place. And they're out. They're sunning themselves. And I'm like, okay, great. Everyone's okay here. And I picked up some things that they, they kind of toss things around. And I picked up a few things, and I was stepping out of the, of the compound. Now, I have to really watch myself that I don't trip and fall flat on my face because I've had stuff in my hands and I was, you know, trying to step up over this, like, four-foot little barricade I've got. As I step out, I'm looking at the ground. And I said, what is that? There was, like, a little thing on the ground and it was moving. And I thought, oh, a lizard. And it wasn't. It was a little tiny, about the size of a 50-cent piece, baby tortoise. Now, how could this be? There are no females in there. There was maybe about three months ago for a day, but they, they weren't nice to her, so I had to pull her out. There is no evidence of any eggs anywhere. Just this little teeny tiny tortoise and I bent down to look at it, you know, and it looks up at me and blinks its eyes like, well, what are you going to do with me? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I pick it up. It fits in the palm of my hand. And I come inside the house and I go, You're, he was as cold as ice. And I said, well, this isn't good. So I have a thing set up in my house for um, the other two that I'm raising up down there. And they're about the size maybe of a golf ball now. And I have a heated lamp, and I've got, like, little little saucers that I put water in so they can soak in warm water. So I take this little guy, and I put him in the warm water, and the look on his face was like, ah. Now, I have to back up a little bit with the prequel of this, because this should not have happened. There was no evidence, and this turtle's the size of a quarter. So I could have stepped on it. I could have not seen it. And the only reason I saw it is because I was watching my feet as I stepped over this thing. So I was focused on the ground. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen it. Now, like everybody else in the past 
year or so, you can have days where you look around and you go, oh, gosh, is there any hope for this planet at all? <laughs> you know, oh, my God, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. And I've been going a little bit negative on it, so I asked the universe, I said, look, I know that there's hope, even in the most destitute of moments, but I would really like a sign from the universe if you could just let me know that hope is still alive on planet Earth. That would be great. And I said that for a couple days in a row. Two days later, after I had said this, I run into this little tortoise who, by every stretch of the imagination, should not be alive, number one. How did it grow? How did it get out of the egg? And there's no evidence of any eggs anywhere. And it had to just happen because the thing was only like the size of a quarter. So I'm taking that as a sign from the universe that there is hope in the world. This little guy, hopeless. <laughs> I mean, I live in the country. I live up in the canyon. There's all kinds of predators. This would have been an appetizer for, you know, a skunk, a squirrel, anybody. And I brought him in, and I thought, God, he was so cold, I don't think he's going to make it. But I'm not going to give up. I said, this, this is a hopeful thing, and I'm holding on to it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get this little guy to live. He wouldn't eat. I would put him in the, he, all he wanted to do was be in the warm water, which I can understand <laughs> because it had been so freaking cold. It went down to 40 degrees the night, the night before I found him. So he was out in this. The bigger tortoise, tortoises can handle it a little bit. Little guys, yeah, not so much. So I'm looking at this as a symbol of hope. That this little creature, out of all the odds, beat them. And so he had to have hope in him that he was going to find his way because he was booking it. He, he was outside of the cage at least 10 feet, and I don't even know how he got out. I don't know how any of it happened, but it happened. So I'm looking at this as a sign of hope that the universe sent to me to say, look, this little guy had no hope, but you run into people, Things happen, you make a turn to the right, you make a turn to the left, and suddenly there's hope again. And I was the hope that showed up for this little tortoise. So I'm looking at this as a beautiful moment, as a symbol of hope that the universe has sent. And I wanted to share it all with you guys today because there's sometimes there's not a lot of hope around. <laughs> and it's very easy to get despondent. And I was approaching that a little bit. I was feeling kind of sad about everything. And looking at this little guy and how he now runs to the microgreens that I cut up for the little tortoises, he runs towards it when I put it down in the morning and eats like a little fast, so fast. He's eating as much as he can. He's stuffing himself. He's going to make it. I am thrilled he's going to make it. But he had to have hope to get there. And by all odds, he wasn't going to make it, but he did. So I'm going to translate that energy because now my whole attitude has changed. I am feeling back to my normal self. I'm like, okay, there is hope. And I wanted to share it all with you today so that you could tap into that energy and feel as exhilarated as I do today that <laughs> this little guy made it and thankful to the universe for sending it to me. It was the, one of the biggest surprises of my life to find this little teeny guy. And so I've named him. I've, First, I was going to call him Miracle. But then he's such a little bruiser now. He's running around, you know, in the cage in the little terrarium. So I'm going to call him Lucky. Lucky that he came back. Lucky that he made it. 
Lucky that he found me, and lucky that he's now basking in a heated heated area in the water and stuffing his little face. So things turned around for him pretty fast. And I'm going to put my faith and hope that everything turns around on planet Earth just the same way, unexpectedly but beautifully. So that's my, my, my animal story for the day. I said The other ones are sort of dull in comparison at the moment, but everyone else is fine. Guinness is still thriving. Um, and the little cough that uh, Marple had do, with her medication now is all gone. No more, no more coughing from Marple. I am in a very good mood today and very happy. How are things in uh, Maine, dear Tony? Well, first of all, that's a beautiful story. Beautiful, that little guy. It blew me away. It blew it me, me away. away. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, my housekeeper, I, my, the woman who cleans my house was here, and I've, I've had her for 20 years. She's a good friend. And I come to her and she goes, what have you got? And I said, look what I found. And she goes, she, and she's a person that gets upset easily and, and takes things really to heart a lot. She started to cry a little bit. She goes, oh, my God, I hope it lives. And I said, I'm going to make it live. And she and yeah. I told her the story, and she just looked at me and was like, wow, that's a miracle. I said, yeah, they do exist. They do exist. Miracles exist. Said, Here's one right here. So she was ecstatic, too. We bo- Both of us were just like, wow. And we spent like oh, at least a uh-huh. half hour watching him do his stuff in the terrarium. And she goes, I should be cleaning. I said, this is too cool to miss. <laughs> it's too cool to miss. Oh, you yeah. got to watch huh. this. Well, when I was out there and uh, saw the two little ones you had. So I know exactly what you're describing with the heat lamp, and he must be in heaven. And he goes over to the other, he ran over to the other two, and I thought, uh-oh, you know, this could be a problem because he's, he probably smells different. You know, I have to think of that. They, they rub noses. All three of them rub noses. Uh, I almost cried. <laughs> so he was like, "Oh my uh, God, oh, I found boy. somebody who loves me!" And I was like, "Oh my God!" Oh boy, that's it was a, great... a really cool <clears throat> day, and it's changed my attitude for sure. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> Just to hear that. Wow. Good thing you looked down. Well, anyways, I am going to go off and get Veronica. Okay. And, um, and I'll send I'll send you a picture of the new little uh maybe I'll have yeah. uh, Alan put some uh, little pic- pictures up of the little teeny guy I found I've got a picture of him in my hand I think I'll make oh. sure that goes up on the website too so people can see how teeny sure. tiny this guy is it's like amazing oh my god so I'm gonna go off and get Veronica okay all right well hello everyone and welcome to the show today uh, we got some great questions and. I just think that story is amazing. And, um, you know, I encourage you to write in to innerwhispersradio.com, and that's I-N-N-E-R, whispersradio.com. And, you know, we have a lot of people who are return visitors writing in uh, with more questions. So let that be you, too. I encourage you to do that. Are you there, Veronica? <clears throat> yes, we are. Good day to you. Good day to you. Our first question is coming from Michael. Is there a correlation between 
letting go of ego and spiritual growth. Yes, there is a connection. However, both the ego, which is the sense of self in the linear, and your soul growth have to be balanced. You can't be in a linear reality without a lot of ego, without a little bit of ego. Well, I don't say a lot, a little bit. And there has to be a balance between it, the sense of self while you're participating in the linear and the concept of your expansive energy that's your soul. And soul growth can happen in the linear quite a bit if you focus upon it. You can't get all caught up in the physical aspects of it. You have to sort of step back a little bit and examine your ego and take a look at your spiritual growth. The spiritual growth can happen even if you're participating in the ego a little more than you should. But if you will allow your ego to run the show without the balance of your own spiritual growth within it, then you won't spiritually grow. There has to be a nice balance that goes back and forth. And the ego provides the self-confidence that you need to manage your way through the thick, dense reality. So you do need a little bit of ego, and allow that ego to give you the necessary confidence to be able to maneuver through the reality while also focusing upon your spiritual growth. So, yes, there is a connection between them, very much so. All right, our next question is coming from Shane. Could you please enlighten us on a person suffering from severe depression? which is diagnosed as a chemical imbalance? Well, a lot of things in the linear are created by the biological participation that you're in. The mind is very connected to the soul. So when you are in severe depression, a psychiatrist or a doctor that you're working with will say, well, there's a chemical imbalance. The chemical imbalance happens because there is a moment where energy that you feel that is quite unbalanced and not working for you sort of permeates into the physical reality and comes up, if you're examined, by a chemical imbalance in in the thoughts. A lot of times it's coming also from your soulful participation, maybe a difficult moment in trying to be a very highly evolved, high-frequency energy and trying to maneuver and learn things and expand and grow in a reality that's like being knee-deep in molasses. There can be a moment where you find yourself just completely discombobulated by the fact you can't maneuver through the reality, and thus the depression comes in. Thus the physical body gets affected by that. So if somebody tests, they look at it and say, well, it's a chemical imbalance. That's all it is. We say it's far more than that. We think it is an energy moment that translates into a chemical imbalance, but essentially it's your soulful energy and the balance within it that causes the depression. And if you're a high frequency, very evolved being, and you come into the reality, oh, gung-ho, to do things, and then you get here, and find out how difficult it is to maneuver through the density, it can cause depression. 
And there are lots of signs of depression, and we won't sit here and list them, but it does affect, when you have that energy come into you, it does affect your neurotransmitters a bit and can cause negative responses and cause you to sink further into the depression. So your thoughts and feelings cause the chemistry of the body to become dysfunctional. So you have to go a little deeper. Just to say it's a chemical imbalance, you've got to go a little deeper into the energy of it. And the standard one that usually happens is the high-frequency energy trying to maneuver in a thick, dense reality. It can be debilitating. So there is the connection. All right. Um, Our next question coming from Jeff. Are accidental drug overdose deaths typically planned before someone enters into a life? Or can they truly be accidental or unplanned? Well, there are many exit points that an incarnate can participate in as they go through the life. It is somewhat planned. It is knowledgeable to the incarnate that these exit points exist on a soulful level. You don't have to take an exit point. But if you find yourself in a moment where you're so frustrated and finding it so difficult, then you might participate in something that would be an exit plan. Drug overdoses are usually not calculated properly on a physical level. On a soulful level, they can clearly see that, okay, this is an exit point. If I participate in this drug, I could potentially harm my biology and take myself out. Sometimes it's accidental, but most of the time the incarnate on a high soulful level knows that it's available. And it can make it very difficult for those who are participating with the person and the incarnate itself. We'd say you've got to be really mindful when you're going through your life. And if possible, you know, do some meditation, do some soulful searching so that when you come upon these moments and these choices that could potentially harm you, that you make those choices with a clear mind so that you don't find yourself in a what is deemed an accidental drug overdose. Okay, and our next question is coming from AA. Why can't we remember anything when we enter the physical realm? We get this question a lot. Due to the nature of the linear reality, first of all, we've said a million times it's thick and dense and distracting. It also has a past, present, future circular motion that makes it difficult to be bringing in all the other events that you've participated in and try to manage them in a past, present, future moment when now they are more eternal. So it's sometimes a bleed-through when you do remember something. And a lot of people do remember some of their past lives, and some people with the help of a hypnotherapist can 
sort of move into it a bit because that, and when you move into it, that means it's pretty close by. But to remember it, everything would cause you to be a bit unstable because of the difference. So a lot of people do remember, but if you were to remember all of it, it would be crazy. And a lot of people that you see walking around that do have some mental issues, a lot of times they can see their other lives, and that confuses them. So we would say it's better not to remember just randomly. But if you want to focus on it, a lot of times you can get information that can be very helpful. But you have to sort of translate it into the past, present, future moment, and a hypnotherapist can help with that. So don't be dismayed, AA. You can go searching for it, but to have it come in just randomly would not be a good experience for anyone. Okay, Veronica, that was our last question. If you'd like to take a break and come back and give the message to the world, that would be great. Well, everyone... Those, again, were very good questions, and a couple people there followed up. I recognize the names. So, again, I encourage you to write in to innerwhispersradio.com, and we'll get your question on the air as soon as we can. And um, But don't be shy. It's important that you do write in if there's anything on your mind. Are you there, Veronica? Yes, we are. Well, it is a good day to take some time to reflect. Not just about the nature of the world or the nature of good and evil, but taking a good look at your own energy. Taking time to see where you're at. You can get caught up so easily in a fast-paced, linear world. Some of you, you know, you go to work every day, you have children, you're constantly run, 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 run. And we say very often, try being still for a little bit. That could be helpful. It's important to do a self-examination often. Examine your participation in events. Examine your participation in the world. And examine participation with those that you love and care about. And that includes yourself. How much are you caring and loving towards yourself? It's very easy to get judgmental, especially when it's just you and yourself talking about it. Everyone comes to the planet not perfect. And if you're making mistakes or you take a wrong turn, it's important to be monitoring that so you don't go too far down a path that is not serving your expansion and your awareness. It's really important to take that self-examination as often as you can, not to judge it, but to understand it and to understand the motivations of the things that you're doing, saying, and participating in, to make sure that you are handling it with the most spiritual awareness you can which means you've got to get out of yourself and look at it and see how your participation is affecting your growth and affecting others. Self-examination is an 
really good participation to get involved in. Every day means that there's new things that happen, new things that are thrown at you, and you've got to have your energy in a good spot to do that. So start some time away from the hustle bustle whenever you can and get to know your soul, get to know your energy, and get to know how your energy can be better within the reality you're in. If you change yourself, it's easier to participate in the reality because you can't change other people. But if you change how you're acting towards them and you have your soulful energy up and ready and running smoothly, it's going to be a very different experience. It's going to be a more positive one. It's going to be a growth-oriented one. So take the time. Get to know your own energy and clean it up once in a while. Decide to say, I'm not judging myself, but I really think that that particular participation wasn't good. So I'm going to fix that. And I'm going to change how I am in that relationship so that perhaps we can get out of this sort of thing we got going on that's negative and move into something more positive. The only thing you can control in life is you. You can't control anybody else. Not going to happen. But you can change how you are going to be participating and control your actions. Be the bigger person. Change how you are. Decide not to be mad. Decide not to be upset. Decide that you'll say, let's try to work this out. And even if the other person is reluctant or the situation is dire, good things can happen. So decide that you're going to do that. It is the best advice we can give you this day. Thank you, Veronica. Beautiful message as always. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the show today. We'll be back with you next week with more questions. Until then, 